Welcome to Let's Talk Sales. This is a podcast for anyone who's interested in growing sales. Today's episode of Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by our ebook on building a sales process for repeatable success. In it, you'll discover a simple nine-step process to build your sales process, measure its effectiveness, and have best practices for reviewing and revising your process over time. Make sure to download a copy today. You can find it in the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod three zero seven. This is Elizabeth Frederick, and I've really enjoyed getting to know today's guest. I love to hear his perspective. He's the founder and CEO of Tenbound, which is a research and advisory firm focused on sales development. He personally has extensive experience in sales development management, and he recently co-authored a book called The Sales Development Framework, How to Build and Scale a Highly Productive Sales Development Program. He is based in lovely San Francisco, California, all the way across the country from me. So welcome to the show, David Delaney. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I'm really excited to have this conversation today. Um, I know you've been doing a lot of thinking about sales development and research and put that all into your book, which is a, a huge project. But before we jump in on that, I'd love it if you could introduce yourself to our listeners. I just gave them the high level bullets, but you are more than bullets. So could you introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I started Tenbound about five years ago to go in depth on the sales development world. And so if you think about the SDRs Mm -hmm. and BDRs and these teams that we put together to manage the top of the funnel, um, really, you know, how do we think about that position? How do we uh, strategize to get the best production out of the team? And then, you know, training and coaching for the actual managers and reps doing the job. And so that's what Tenbound's been focusing on. Before that, I was running sales development programs at tech companies here in San Francisco, Silicon Valley area. And uh, you just noticed mm-hmm. that this you know, was a thing that mo- a lot of companies are doing that are in the uh, software industry, especially, was spinning up sales development programs and, and staffing them and buying tools and getting them, um, you know, uh, up to speed, but you know, looking for good information, good advice, and, and training, and things like that to to help them to um, optimize the programs. And so that's what we decided to focus on. Definitely, yeah. Um, I can I can say from our perspective, you know, not being right in that space, but we've certainly seen as as you said, uh, the rise of these teams. Um, both in the tech space and now bleeding out into other industries, um, it's been growing and growing. And then obviously with COVID, um, the importance of uh, that top of funnel team, a team that's able to do that kind of inside sales process has been even more important for companies. So um, it's a great time for you to release your book. And um, I know there's a lot there for people to learn. Yeah, really, it, it has been an interesting evolution, right? Because when I first got into sales, I was handling, you know, all three of the major functions that are kind of broken out now. So I was doing Mm -hmm. my own prospecting. And and this is how most people still do it, right? You do your own prospecting, you're following up on inbound leads, you're doing presentations, closing deals, and then taking care of the customer to make sure that they, you know, have a great experience with your company. And um, what really, mm-hmm. what really changed, you know, um, a, you know, probably going on like 10, 15 years ago was when Salesforce.com um, broke out their sales team into the SDRs, the AEs and mm-hmm. customer success, right? And, 
and they they really um, had a tremendous amount of success with with that structure. And um, and there was a book that came out called Predictable Revenue that probably your listeners are familiar with that that documented mm-hmm. how Salesforce did that and the success that they had. And and from that point forward. Um, you know, many, many software companies that are trying to replicate that playbook have created SDR teams. And, and now, you know, we're at the point where, you know, they're really trying to figure out, you know, how do I optimize the, these, these programs? Definitely. So let's let's kind of get into that. Um, I know you did a ton of research, um, obviously, uh, both through your work with clients and, and separately, and you kind of identified some common challenges or common mistakes that people make as they're trying to spin up these sales development programs and these sales development teams. So can you walk us through some of the major um, the major challenges and mistakes that you see people facing? Yeah, it's an interesting problem because, you know, one of the things that's tough about sales development is it sits between the marketing and sales team as sort mm-hmm. of connective tissue. And a lot of times, you know, senior mm-hmm. executives aren't sure, you know, who it should report to, right? Should it report to the CMO or whoever runs marketing or should it report to the head of sales? And, you know, it, because it, you know, mm-hmm. technically it's, prospecting and following up on leads. So it's kind of a sales function. So that the, the, you know, the confusion that's out there, um, you know, sometimes we get the call in our advisory practice, hey, what what should be the strategy here? And, and where do I begin? You know, mm-hmm. where should it report? You know, how do I set this up if they're not super familiar with it? And, you know, we, over that time, we start to see patterns and, and we kind of broke them down into the big five, right? The, the big, um, you know, mm-hmm. issues that we see out there with people setting up these programs. And so one of the, the first ones that we see is that they, they realize that they, they want to do sales development. They want to set up an SDR team, mm-hmm. um, but they, they don't um, have a process in place um, before starting to hire people. So they, they sort of flip it around mm-hmm. where, they just start hiring SDRs and um, give them some tech tools and give them some basic training on, you know, the first few days and they're off to the races. And, and so you're kind of leaving the, the reps on, on their own to some extent to kind of figure out a process. And there's just, as you can imagine, mm-hmm. there's so much, um, you know, wasted time and, and capability with not having that process in place to begin with. Definitely. And um, we've seen that in in a lot of different sales functions. I think it's pretty common that people feel like sales is sales. So I'm going to hire people and they're going to know what to do. Um, But it's a lot more complicated than that. And especially when you have a kind of new selling function like this, where, like you said, in the past, some of these activities were done by the marketing team. Some of these activities were done by the sales team. Some of these activities maybe weren't being done at all. And you're you're combining these different functions. And then you have this poor person that you hire and you, you know, give them a laptop and, and expect them to be successful. And that's really setting them up for failure. Yeah. I mean, especially now with, you know, a lot of teams are still working remotely and they're home and they're new mm-hmm. and they're just like, 
what am I supposed to be doing? And so the the usual routine is like, hey, we've we've got inbound leads, you know, we've got a bunch of inbound leads that nobody's calling, or we've got a list of of outbound, you know, cold a cold calling list. Um, here's here's their phone, mm-hmm. here's a computer, you know, go at it. Uh-huh. It's just it's just you know you you think that oh who would do that? But it happens a lot more. Than you think, um, you know, leaving it, uh, you know, for somebody to just kind of figure out. So, I mean, the advice there is just, you know, if you're inheriting a program, if it's struggling, or if you're starting an SDR program, you know, take a moment, take a step back, and at least kind of whiteboard the process that they're going to follow, even if it's just, you know, on a piece of paper or a whiteboard. I, I mean, Go through what the what a day in the life looks like, and and then make sure that, mm-hmm. that your systems and and the software and everything that you have is set up for them, so that they at least have some sort of process to follow. Um, that that's what we usually start with. Absolutely, and I love that day in the life exercise. We found that that's one of the best ways to document a process is to really just think through that, um, both the day in the life of the person in that role, and then also the flow of um, a prospect through the process. And think about okay, when when we get somebody on the website, what happens to them? When we meet somebody at a conference, when there are conferences again, what happens to them? And if you can kind of map that out and figure out how and when do different members of your team interact with them, you're going to naturally have identified your process. Um, And something that I think is really important here is a lot of times what we see, at least in in our clients, people view the sales development team as maybe more junior maybe less experienced, maybe you're hiring people right out of college. um, And it it might be their first or or second sales job. And so um, when we see that, uh, and a lot of times part of that is just to reduce spend and, and, you know, have have really affordable, productive team, and maybe people progress out of that team into outside sales or into a technical sales role. um, They need even more process and more structure because they're not going to have that. So certainly it's beneficial for all of the SDRs, but especially um, more junior people and brand new hires. Yeah. You know, when people hear the word process, I think they just get intimidated. They think they need like a 50 Mm -hmm. 50 page, you know, operation manual or like a playbook and stuff like that. And, And definitely you can you can work toward toward getting everything down. But even if it's just a a PowerPoint deck or, you know, a few slides or one, you know, Google Doc where you you just write down a checklist Mm -hmm. of, of, you know, the major things that they're supposed to do every day. Um, And and, and then once you have that, then it's like, okay, um, what does success look like for this? Um, You know, do we have some metrics attached to to you know the uh the conversion of the activity that they're doing to the results that we're looking for and so i just you know it doesn't have to be this big you know big standard operating Uh procedure thing you know it can be as simple as just a few checklists to make sure that there's some kind of process in place Definitely. You don't need to have one of those maps with squares and circles and arrows and and all of that fun stuff, but knowing what systems people have and what they do. Um, And I love that, how how it's measured. Really important. All right. So that's that's a problem I think 
we've all probably seen before. So what's the second common challenge yeah. that you see um, companies face or the, the mistake that they make? Absolutely. So you, you touched on it. I mean, it, it's um, because it's, it's relatively a new position, you know, in the, in the sales structure and, you know, the, the sort of dogma with sales development is that you hire inexperienced folks that come in at a low salary mm-hmm. range and, and you're really, trying to maximize the return on the investment. Um, you know, the, 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 there's a sort of an overall feeling that, that we have to stick with low cost, low investment, don't put a lot of time into it. And what we've seen mm-hmm. with really successful programs is actually the opposite, uh, really understanding the importance and, and investing. And if you're, especially if you're starting a sales development program, or you've got one that is a little bit off track and it's it's it seems like it's floundering, investing in a strong leader, a strong manager right from the beginning mm-hmm. is, uh, it, I mean, it'll save you months or years of consternation <laughs> over the program. Um, and I'll tell you why, because especially when you're first starting, if you've got somebody with a lot of experience who can act as sort of a player coach at the beginning. So they're, they're, they're running mm-hmm. the process. They're the one who is whiteboarding the process, making the checklist, creating the playbook um, and, and running mm-hmm. the process, maybe even, you know, creating some leads and, and meetings for you at that time. They're laying a foundation of process for then adding on people. So then they are able to handle the recruiting and training of the SDRs that you start to bring into the program based on the process that they've put in place. And so it's this is this is a completely opposite way that most companies do it. But what we recommend is start with a very strong leader, strong manager, have them, mm-hmm. you know, be player coach, set up the processes, write the procedures, and then start to add people to that team. Absolutely. Um, I've seen so many times where, like you said, companies don't do that and then they flail for a really long time. And then what can be funny in a, in a kind of <laughs> dark way, um, a lot of times they'll hire uh, a really talented person, sometimes knowing that they're hiring them to be a leader. Sometimes they just are lucky and they hire somebody who has the leadership and, and the process um, mindset. And once they develop that, some of the people who are underperforming in the past are able to really improve, but it it's really changing things for the people who've been there who haven't had process, and some of them won't work out. And so you're not just losing time with the current reps who are going to stay and get better. You're going to have some who just they don't like the new system. They, they, you know, they don't resonate with it and they weren't hired into a company with a system, with a process, with a, with a leader. Uh, and they don't necessarily want to have that. So you're, you're really shooting yourself in the foot in two ways there because, um, you you might be losing people that way. So, um, so important, like you said, because when you have that player coach, they're trying things. And so you as a, as a leader, I would imagine might whiteboard a high level process. And then that's what you hire a manager or a leader into. And then you have them work that and really 
break it down. Again, not to crazy level of detail, but to enough detail that they could hire somebody more junior and and have them able to do it. Um, Is that something that you've seen a lot of times? Yeah. I mean, and you know, the, the best leaders, especially in the early parts when they're coming in, they're, they're running the processes. They're, they're, they're on Mm -hmm. the phone, you know, doing the calls, they're running the email campaigns, they're following up, they're setting appointments, just the same as what they would expect from the team that they're putting in. And, and so they're really leading from the front and they're developing those processes in a realistic way. Cause you know, as opposed uh-huh. to an executive who, you know, theoretically, uh, you know, well, the, the sales development team is like 10% of their overall job, you know, they're in charge of <laughs> another uh-huh. thing. So theoretically, you know, in this 10% of my bandwidth that I have, this should be the process that works here. SDR, uh-huh. go do this and let me know how it goes. You know, I mean, you could tell that that would there'd be a little bit of disconnect. So you need that. Think of it as like a, a you know the drill sergeant in the in a group of army recruits. Like if you just had the army recruits uh-huh. out there, here's the manual. Like here's here's your rifle. Like go get them. You know, it's 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 this yeah. like the first mistake that we were talking about. It's just like okay, who's in charge here? So you get that that sergeant, um, middle manager, and, and, um, you know, especially if they're great, they can, they can save you months and years of consternation on it. Definitely. Um, you know, to, to push that analogy a little farther, it's like if you have a four-star general and then you have a bunch of junior troops and you don't have anybody in between and the four-star general is going to have big picture ideas, but they're certainly not going to be able to direct day-to-day activity, um, in an accurate way. And like you said, um, just the idea of of the manager who's right there on the ground with them and and knows what it is. I've I actually um, uh, a client that we recently work with is coming to mind because they were implementing um, a similar team to this, so basically an SDR team, and um, they had this problem exactly. They had the the partners put together what they thought expectations were. And they're like, it's so easy to get people on the phone. I call people and they pick up. And it's like, yes, because you're a partner. Right. <laughs> and it's a very different experience when you have a person without your title, without your network making phone calls, they're going to experience different metrics. So they're like, why does nobody that we hire match up with our experience? Because they're not you. <laughs> and you've got to have um, somebody who's who's realistically in that role and has a, has a similar background um, and approach that, that the people are actually going to take. Yeah, exactly. And and it's, um, you know, everyone's, everyone's uh, cost conscious. Of course you want, you want to test the waters and and make Mm -hmm. sure. So a manager is going to cost a little bit more, but the investment is so worth it. If you can get a good infrastructure in place. Definitely. Definitely. All right. So I think problems one or mistakes one and two, those are pretty clear. What's what's the third one? Yeah. So what we see a lot is, and I touched on this, it's unstructured data. And so when I, when I say unstructured mm. data, it's, um, hey, you know, we, we, we've created all these inbound leads. You know, we've got hundreds, thousands mm. of inbound leads. Nobody's calling. All the salespeople are too busy, right? Um, and or we just invested in this uh, list of hot, you know, accounts. These are all the right companies, <laughs> you know, in our sweet spot and, and it's going to be terrific. And so here you go. <laughs> and it's just like, okay, um, you know, that, that should not be the end of it. And so, um, you know, mm-hmm. because if you think about that, do you want the sales development reps or, you know, uh, even your, your, your sales reps, 
do you want them to be spending their day doing research and, um, you know, scouring the internet and trying to find names and, and phone numbers? And um, even, even above that, um, prioritizing, you know, prioritizing mm-hmm. the accounts and the people and, and b- being able to spend their time in the right place. And what we see a lot out there is, um, you know, leaving the prioritization and the data cleansing to the SDR team. And so they spend their whole day, you know, just sort of cycling through websites and, 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 and um, trying to find and prioritize information versus calling, talking to people and doing the core of their job. Yeah, you're kind of turning them into a, a data manipulation and data analytics team, as opposed to a team that's actually selling. And um, I can say we've made that mistake internally of of hiring somebody and we had tons of inbound leads and, and um, it's a lesson you learn the hard way a lot of times, Um, but it it doesn't set somebody up for success to give them a huge bucket um, that then they can't really effectively work. Even giving somebody just filtering them down um, is a huge step forward. But like you said, cleaning up the data, making sure you have the contact information, being able to potentially score the leads so they know who the top priority ones are versus the ones that are, you know, it's fine if you get to them. Um, it's a huge step forward and just making their job both easier and making it so that they actually generate more results. hundred percent. It's all about that efficiency. And, you know, um, Mm-hmm. We, we, you don't necessarily need to hire, you know, just a researcher or a data, you know, prioritization mm-hmm. person, because um, there's a ton of uh, lower cost resources out there, Upwork, Fiverr, um, you know, these, these um, uh, companies that can help. If you give them the parameters mm-hmm. of the data that you're looking for, you give them very clear instructions about how you want it to be prioritized, et cetera. Um, you can have a lower cost resource be doing that and then feeding it into your higher cost resource on the SDR team so that they can spend more time reaching out to people. Um, and then, you know, even a, a layer up from there, if you want to get really fancy, there's a lot of, they call them intent data, um, service providers, you know, mm-hmm. which, which are, you know, AI based computer programs that are, are uh, going through and prioritizing and tagging and organizing data for the SDRs. Um, and, and that's an option as well. There, we, there's a number of companies that are, that are doing that uh, to be able to make this process more efficient. Definitely. When I've seen companies um, that have a really good system like this, it's literally just like serving it in front of somebody, call this person, this is what they're probably interested in, um, and go. And you're making, um, you're really setting people up for success. And like you said, driving efficiency. All right. So we got through three. And I I bet some people have some kind of shameful faces as they start to think about this, or they're, um, they're feeling like they've got some room for improvement. (laughs) What's number four? Yeah, 100%. So now it's, and again, the sales development team sits between marketing and sales. It's kind of a hybrid of these two things. And so one thing that we see a lot is that when the team is going to market, there's no script or there's no initial Mm. messaging that's been sort of approved and blessed by, you know, either the executive team or the middle managers. And and they, they sort of leave that to the individual SDRs to just figure out. And 
you know, especially at first when someone's just coming in, they, they don't have, you know, 20 years of experience with your industry. They don't know a whole lot about how the product solves the problem and, and a lot about the people that they're calling on. And so um, if you think of sort of training wheels in a way of having a set of scripts, you know, that are, um, that, that are approved and, and useful for the audience that you're reaching out to. And then as the SDRs become more efficient and, and they're more able and they've got more experience, they, they you know, can put those scripts aside and just start using the knowledge that they have, but not starting out with anything or outdated mm-hmm. things that, that um, you know, nobody's using anymore is something that we see a lot out there. Definitely. And you've got, I think, two risks there. One is maybe they're giving accurate information, but it's not the best, right? They don't know what prospects really care about. They're, they're not describing it very well. Um, but even more dangerous than that is they're giving inaccurate information and they're promising things that aren't possible um, or they're just, they don't know what they're talking about. And so, um, it's it's really dangerous to do that. And um, again, all of this, as I'm hearing it, is just about um, doing this more efficiently and more effectively. And um, it doesn't take a ton of time at a leadership level to develop just big picture. What's our value prop? What are the key features of our offering? What are the key problems that we solve? Um, but if you get that information and give it to these people, you're giving them a huge leg up in um, in being effective when they're actually interacting with prospects. 100%. And if you think about it, you know, so now say you're doing all the right things, right? You've got a great process in place. You've got a, a, a player coach who's, who's helping the team. The data is structured and it's efficient. And then they finally go through all the hard work of getting someone on the phone. Um, you know, that's you've got maybe five seconds or ten seconds, right, between mm-hmm. the difference between just getting hung up on and having you know a fifteen-minute conversation. And and so um, you know, and that's where you know your your firm comes in. You know, with sales training. I mean, they, there's got to be some some training that takes place. We we even see no training happening as far as sales training for people. So it's just like, Mm -hmm. um, maybe they do have a couple of scripts and they've got their buddy sitting next to them or uh, over on zoom that they can practice with, but there's just not a whole lot of training taking place to, to bring that from a script to a, a natural conversational progression. Um, and, and then, so after all that work that you did, you finally get somebody on the phone and they just hang up on you. I mean, it's just, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough out there, right? Definitely. And I love that you brought up training, obviously, because that's part of what we do. But mm-hmm. also, um, I, I literally, 45 minutes ago, was in the middle of a training with a client. And one of the key things that we do, you know, people picture training and typically think that it's it's all about technique. But actually, a lot of our training is about helping teams develop that content because we help them understand that your solution solves problems and you need to know the key features of your of your solution, what key problems it solves, and who each of those key problems might resonate with the most. And if you can get that content put together, um, that's that helps. But then also, like you said, training the team in when, when does this happen in a meeting? How do you get interest on the phone? Um, how do you have a structured conversation? It, it It's 
it's not rocket science, but again, you're, it's a lot of work to get somebody on the phone. It is a lot of work to get somebody to agree to even, you know, a phone meeting um, where they're going to spend a little bit of time. And what you want to do is have the best possible um, win rate of all of those. You want to you wanna make sure that you're not just wasting that opportunity because you're not going to get a ton of them. 100%. I mean, people sometimes ask, you know, who, who's your competitor? And I go, if you want to really see who your competitor is, go to, you know, what's trending on YouTube right now. You know, I mean, and the reason I say that is, is, um, you know, attention is the currency. You might have heard that. Uh, I think Gary Vaynerchuk said that, but it's so true. I mean, people are so busy right now. They're trying to stay ahead at work. They're, they've got their family. They've got a million different entertainment options. You know, we've got this lockdown. I mean, they're just so busy right now. So if you go through all the hard work of sales development and and you've got that window, you know, whether it's in a call or on the email or if you send a video or whatever it is, you've you've got them maybe for five to ten seconds. So you, you have to nail that initial part. And a lot of managers and, and people running SDR teams kind of leave that to chance and, and it's a huge opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we see, um, when we look at teams, and especially if you have good data, and you can really tell the close rate, um, number of contacts, um, you know, number of, of people you've actually connected to, there can be wild disparities between, um, you've got somebody who every time they connect with somebody, they're able to keep them on the phone, and they've just, you know, clearly success. And then you've got other people who they might actually have 100 people pick up and four of them are willing to stay on the phone longer than 10 seconds. And that really tells you that they're clearly not saying the right thing. And so often nobody's looking at that data. Nobody's tracking those metrics. And, um, you know, should you maybe even just talk to the person who's got the good <laughs> the good stats and ask them what they say when, when somebody picks up the phone? 100%. Yeah. Um, you got to track it and you know, learn from the best on the team. Uh, you know, one just quick side note about sales development is that most people get into it mm-hmm. 12, 18 months, 24 months, you know, and they, they want to get promoted to become an account executive, you know, to, to mm-hmm. get the next step in their career and, and stuff like that. So if you find somebody who's really good at this, um, I mean, you know, I'm biased, but I would say do everything you can to, to, take care of them and and uh, keep them around as an SDR as long as possible because um, you know they're hard to find it's a really hard job and you can if you find someone who's super productive and is great at it um, yeah th- th- uh, they are a rare <laughs> individual so take mm-hmm. care of them <laughs> yeah they're, they're definitely the unicorn mm-hmm. um, we had one client this was a few years ago and they had somebody who was the best at getting meetings of, of anybody I've ever met in my entire life. She had that mix of just being friendly and she connected to people and she remembered every little detail about them. So, you know, you have a daughter who does ballet and she had a recital um, or, you know, whatever, you have a puppy. Um, and she also was able to be persistent, <laughs> um, you know, in that perfect balance. And this organization, uh, both both she loved 
what she did and loved that she was successful in it and didn't necessarily want to move to a different role. So that was foundational. But also, like you said, the organization valued it and they paid her and she was making good money because it is a hugely valuable service. The number of meetings she generated for people was just astronomical and there was nobody, they were never able to replicate to the level that she did. They still were able to pull some best practices from her, but she was a really special person. And and when you get that person, you don't want them looking at the door um, or, you know, looking to the next office that they want to move into. Definitely taking care of them where they are is really key. 100%. Yeah, exactly. All right. So we've we've gone through four and I think they all kind of make sense. So what's our last big mistake that companies make as they're, as they're trying to spin up these teams? Yeah. And so, you know, um, it's kind of like what we were just talking about, you know, the people... Uh, look at the sales development program as sort of an entry level, you know, thing where, you know, we can put some people in there and give them a list and they do a great job. And, you know, they just don't really take it seriously enough. And um, all Mm -hmm. of a sudden you realize, hey, we, you know, what we see is I've hired, you know, six, six people, we've put in all these tools, we bought all this data, and the program's not performing. And oh, my gosh, the manager just left. And it's like, uh, what, what, what happened, you know? And, and so, mm-hmm. um, I, I just, I, I put, you know, don't set it, forget it, and then criticize it. That's another thing, you know, that comes out of this Be- because the department sits in between multiple, you know, uh, stakeholders, there, there's, can be a lot of finger pointing, you know, from marketing is saying, Hey, you're not following up on the leads and sales is saying, you're not sending me any appointments, you know? And, uh-huh. And they're just sort of they're they're either not taking it seriously enough or or just kind of criticizing it from the sidelines. And um, you know, obviously, we advocate for a completely different approach. You know, take it seriously, invest in it, put somebody in charge of it that that um, really uh, you know understands it and and uh, and and can continuously produce solid results. So. Definitely. And I would think uh, a key part of that is having really clear metrics um, for obviously this team that's sitting in the middle of marketing and sales, but also having metrics related to their work on both sides. So you have an expectation, how many leads is marketing generating for this sales development team and, um, you know, potentially even more detailed, how many leads of this type and how many leads of this type? Um, What is the expected connect rate? You know, how many of these do we expect that you're going to be able to get to and within what time frame? Um, when you pass things off, to, how many leads then are getting to the salespeople? How many meetings are getting scheduled? And if you have these stats that you've identified in advance, um, you can, you're not going to at first be able to fill in necessarily a target. You might have an idea, but, but you might be guessing. But over time, when you see these trends, um, you'll, hopefully get a, get a sooner perspective on, um, wow, we're not trending in the right direction or, you know, we're not getting out of this, what we thought we would. Um, and if you, if you have the attention on it and you are actively measuring something, you can hopefully, um, get a sense if things are going wrong a little sooner and any, anything that you can speed up in that process is better. You know, certainly we'd love it if people used all these best practices and didn't have this happen, but, even if you have like a semi-successful 
team and you're getting something out of it. Um, if you are just kind of set it and forget it and nobody's really paying attention, you could likely be getting a lot more out of it and you're not. And um, there's so much uh, room there for improvement. And like you said, it's it's really about that focused attention. There really is. I mean, and and some people look at it as it's, it's sort of a double uh, p- pipeline, you know, for your company. Mm-hmm. So number one is just the sales pipeline of following up on the leads and and cold calling and setting up appointments they're they're generating pipeline but then it's also that secondary talent pipeline so if somebody is a terrific SDR and like we said we want to keep them around as long as possible but at some point there may be a, a, a position open you know in sales or in marketing or customer success and you've got this terrific person who's already been around for a couple of years and and they 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 are, um, ready to go, you know, so you've got that that double pipeline, but you you really do have to take it seriously and and um, and strategize to make sure that it, it works effectively. And what we see also is there's there's a there's sort of an explosion right now of outsourced SDR firms. and and I, I you know, mm-hmm. based on this conversation, you could probably see why people kind of look at it and they go, gosh, you know, this is just, Oh, it's very complex. I'm going to have to spend a lot of time on this. I just don't, I don't want to. So I'm just going to call an outsourced SDR company and give it to them and, and hope for the best. And it's a subject for another podcast, but there's a whole bunch of, you know, red flags and different things to look out for. If you're going in that direction, um, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not a panacea to just get rid of all these problems that we've been talking about. Um, it, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's another, you know, um, layer of, of complexity that, that you have to solve. So. Definitely. And, um, it, it completely relates to what you were just talking about in terms of that double pipeline, because if you're outsourcing this, yes, you're serving your, your sales pipeline. Um, if you do it right, um, then you might not, but you have people at a company that isn't yours who are hopefully developing some expertise and, um, they're they're not yours, and right. so uh, they're it, you're you're really reducing that opportunity. Um, when I talk to top performing salespeople, I cannot tell you how many of them, in one of their first jobs, were doing this kind of activity that a sales development rep does. You know, but cold calling, calling down lists, just pounding the phones, um, generating meetings, and. It's it's like core workout. I mean, it builds um, muscle that can move into so many other areas of the organization. And if you can get a meeting with somebody um, because you got interest in your solution, you are a hero. And um, there's so much uh, that you could do within the organization. So to have this um, happening outside your company when you outsource it, you're really missing out on a potential pipeline of people, like you said, that can go so many places in the organization. Agreed. Yeah, it's definitely, if you've done this for a few years, any other job that you take seems easy. <laughs> in a, in a, yes. white, a white collar <laughs> job, I'm not saying like, you know, welding or something yep. like that. But um, yeah, it definitely builds up that muscle of just being able to, you know, communicate and and take rejection and, and you know, stay motivated mm-hmm. and things like that. So it's it's a terrific uh, thing, but um, yeah, you get, set them up for success. That's what I would say. <laughs> Definitely, and um, it also just because it is such a challenging role, 
it really can help you filter out people who don't have some of the core components. You know, when they do research, and I'm sure you've seen this too, one of the most important um, elements of a successful salesperson is having um, drive, some internal motivation to succeed. And you're going to really see that in a role like this. Um, We see sometimes, um, I've seen in my work, that people almost view an SDR team like they're robots. And it's just like we pour in leads and they pour out meetings. Um, But that's not the case. And you're going to really see if you've got you know, like you were saying, if you if you formed a decent team, you've got four to six people at least that are doing this, you're going to see differences in performance. And typically when you see the top performers, yes, they're, they're usually better at describing your solution. They're better at generating interest, but a lot of times they're also just harder workers and they're, they're more motivated to succeed. And, um, again, those are, those are really helpful signals as you're thinking about, um, whether to move them other places in your organization or, um, even just to inform what characteristics you look for in your next new hire, because, um, it's, it's a really, it can be such a successful um, component. And obviously we see that in a lot of organizations, but like you said, there, there's a lot of potential ways that people can go wrong. So I love this. I love this summary. Um, it's it's always nice when you have five clear mistakes not to make. <laughs> there you go. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Now um, I didn't actually, I don't think I put this on the list of, of, uh, of the outline that I sent you in advance, but I'd love to hear from you. Um, you know, we're talking about a space that's really developed over the last 10 and 15 years, but are there any really recent trends that you're starting to see um, in your research or in your work with clients that you're going to keep an eye on? Yeah. I mean, you know, for some, for some companies, the really um, dividing out the sales team is not as effective. Um, and, and so, Mm -hmm. um, you know, what we see is there's more of a blend, um, between the Mm -hmm. SDR and the AE, for example. So, Mm -hmm. so it wouldn't be just pure, um, you know, cold calling and following up on leads, for example, um, like the, the, an SDR in some companies might, you know, close some small deals or, um, work mm-hmm. on some free trial conversions and and actually take people all the way through the sales process and and then mm-hmm. you know on the flip side there's there's always the expectation that the aes um the you know the full cycle sales reps are prospecting i mean that that doesn't end necessarily because you have mm-hmm. an sdr team right um th- there's always the expectation that you're filling your own pipeline, you're doing, you know, uh, building that up, whether it's through your Rolodex or through cold calling and, and following up on inbound leads. So there's definitely a blend. And and that's been, mm-hmm. you know, it just really depends on the the company, you know, um, and, and the market Absolutely. that they're calling on. So we see that for sure. Absolutely. I've seen really effective um, kind of like pods that you'd have, you know, somebody who's more of a uh, an account director who's maybe more senior. And sometimes even you've got different levels of, of account management ability and, and sales ability. And then you'll have one or more SDRs maybe just calling in on one specific industry. And like you said, um, it, it does take some time to figure out, hey, it's not worth um, my 
my senior person, it's not worth them closing this small deal, you know, renewals or um, a certain product type, or it could just be a certain dollar amount. And so those are handled by an SDR. Um, and then everything above that gets handed off or everything of this type, you know, everything with a custom scope gets handed off, figuring out what best fits your company, what best fits, you know, to a certain extent, the team that you already have, if you don't want to just replace everybody, um, it's it's worth taking some time to think that through. That's a great point. Yeah, definitely. And and you know, I I love the pod system because it's it's you know it's more of a teamwork structure versus uh-huh. this is this is the SDR team over here. This is the AE team, you know, and the, it's um, you know they're everyone's working together toward a mutual goal. Um, the the other quick thing I wanted to mention was. Um, you know, automation is is becoming more and more important. And, um, you know, it, it's it's sort of if it can be automated in this process, it, it, it should be, um, you know, if it's affordable for the company. And for example, like trying to sort through data and find good data and find clean data, you know, do you want a an expensive you know, um, human resource, you know, spending all their time going through there when there are automation tools that are available at a 10th of a cost. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, there's, there's always the, the chatter about, uh, robots are going to take over humans and stuff like that. But I mean, (laughs) I think that we're years away from that because, um, Mm -hmm. there's still a lot of the human element involved and uh, the more automation that we can kind of outsource to the robots, the more time we can actually spend, you know, talking to clients and prospects. So, Absolutely. Striking that right balance, like you said, um, what's affordable to do and what's possible to do and what makes sense. Because, um, yeah, we've all seen some of those demos where um, they'll have an AI uh, assistant that looks like a real person um, that's that's engaging in email dialogue. And I'm like, that's amazing. Most companies probably can't afford to do that well if they're going to, <laughs> to do it at all. But figuring out where you can um, automate some of this and it's changing it almost seems like by the day. So that's great. 100%. A great point. Thank you for that, David. All right. Um, I know we need to start to wind down. So a question I always like to ask is, do you have any resources that you would recommend to our listeners? They could be books, podcasts, um, just tips, advice. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, you know, I follow Gong um, and I'm, I'm, you know, tool agnostic, but there's a company called Gong um, that many of your listeners are probably familiar with. And um, they, they just put out terrific content on sales research and what's working, what's not working um, through the data um, that, they're, that they're collecting in their tool. And I, I would highly recommend um, you know, following you know, some of the stuff that they're putting out if you're in sales because they, it's, it's a data-driven approach, but it then you know, with, it, with the human touch like we've been talking about. That's great. Yeah, I can definitely second that. I, I, I haven't um, really taken a deep dive into their content, but everything that I've seen um, is fascinating. So thank you for that, David. And then I will plug your book as well. And we'll include a link to that in the show notes because uh, obviously anybody who's listening, um, I'm sure has discovered how much expertise you have in this area. So if you want people to learn more about you and your work, where should they go? Yeah, definitely. So tenbound.com, T-E-N-B-O-U-N-D.com. Um, tons of free research and links to the book and 
a lot of the different topics that we've been talking about. And we actually just put out the um, the yearly benchmark report, um, which is really exciting mm-hmm. because it sort of gives you a, a set of, uh, uh, you know, uh, benchmarks to calibrate your program against and just make sure that you're mm-hmm. back with some of the high performing companies that are out there. So. Definitely. It's always funny when you have a company um, and uh, we've seen this a lot. They'll have uh, they'll have a bunch of sales reps and they think they know what success is. And then they hire somebody who just blows that out of the water. And they're like, oh, we could have been uh, doing way better than we are. So yeah. certainly having some benchmarks can be really, really helpful. Oh, my God. For sure. <laughs> All right. Thank you so, so much for speaking with me today, David. I really enjoyed our conversation and I'm sure our listeners will as well. Well, thank you. That was fun. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into today's show. You can find the notes and resources for everything David and I have been talking about today at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod three zero seven. Make sure to tune into the podcast next week for another great guest. If you enjoyed the show today, please recommend us to a friend. That's the best way to help more people discover the show. And you can subscribe for free wherever it is that you're listening right now. We love feedback, and so you can leave us ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts or email us with your direct feedback, questions, and guest suggestions at podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at CFS Playbook and check out the blog at criteriaforsuccess.com slash insights. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success. Happy selling!